This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. NVIDIA launches Volta into AI. And updates and analysis from GTC 17. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, big week this week in HPC. We had the GTC conference, the annual NVIDIA GPU Technology Conference. This is a big conference this year, 7,000 attendees, 150 exhibitors, and it was wall-to-wall artificial intelligence under the banner I Am AI. Yeah, it was a, a tremendously large conference, and there was a lot going on. There were 500 sessions through the uh, through the week or the partial week um it seemed crowded every day the exhibitor floor was crowded every day it was there was a lot going on a lot of big announcements some of which we'll get to some of which we won't because there were so many but we'll certainly hit the highlights of what pertains to uh to hpc and the related ai space yeah the big announcement for hpc is going to be around the new tesla v100 as volta chip with a tensor core they made a big deal out of the fact in the keynote that this is a a really big chip at 815 square millimeters uh, and it's a 12 nanometer finfet technology with 21 billion transistors from an hpc perspective you're looking at 7.5 double precision 64-bit teraflops, or it's 50, 50, sorry, 15 teraflops in single precision, but it also has 120 tensor teraflops and a 300 gigabit per se, a gigabyte per second NVLink. So uh, it's a big chip, and they're, they're doing a lot with it. Yeah, and we should probably drill down a little bit on what those tensor teraflops, because that's, that's quite a... Uh... That's quite a level of performance there, 120 teraflops of what they're calling deep learning performance and and via these this tensor core. So it's sort of a special purpose uh, FMA unit here that they've put into this thing. And it's geared around the sort of the most common operations you do for deep learning. It's a mixed precision uh, floating point 32 and floating point 16 uh, multiply add that is commonly used for many types of these neural networks and it accelerates all of these things and it's 120 teraflops so it's much more than the the amount of teraflops now we're talking about for the just the strict double precision or single precision uh performance on this chip it's something specifically geared towards these deep learning workloads and we talked about these tensor um operations when we were talking about Google's new Tensor chip a few weeks ago, that this is going to be a big metric of performance when it comes to deep learning, especially in some of these hyperscale areas. Right. And it's, it's for both, in this case, it's for both training and inferencing. They made a, they made a bigger deal about the inferencing side of it. And I think some of that was in reaction to the Google TPU story. They, they've upped their, uh, with this Tensor core, functionality they've upped their inferencing performance quite a bit and their training performance uh, simultaneously so this chip sort of does it all now we should mention up front that there's sort of two versions of the v100 it's not two different volta chips but there's a a high-end chip which is 300 watts uh, that does the full uh, performance that you just outlined 7.5 double precision 120 teraflops of deep learning but they also have a 150-watt version that is actually geared for 
these hyperscale uh, uh, environments where you can put them in each server and scale them out to to thousands or tens of thousands of servers. And that's for inferencing and training for these hyperscale customers, but it's a much smaller uh, uh, TDP and it's something that's going to fit into that environment. And even though they've managed to basically cut the wattage in half on that that variant part, it still, they're saying, gives 80% of the performance of the full 300-watt chip. Right, so the two different versions of the chips, and they also were uh, updating all of their different platforms surrounding this, again, targeting these different areas, starting with the NVIDIA DGX1 with the Tesla V100. This is what they're calling their supercomputing appliance. It's an appliance with eight of these Tesla V100 uh, clouds and an NVLink hybrid cube that gets them up to uh, 60 teraflops of the double precision performance or if you want to look at the the tensor teraflops that's 960 tensor teraflops yeah. it's almost a gigaflop or sorry almost a petaflop of uh of of tensor performance in the single appliance they also right. made a big deal of the fact that you can order this today they gave a price of $149,000 order today for a for a Q3 delivery it's it's kind of an impressive appliance Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're talking about something close to a peta-op of, of tensor performance, that's, that's going to be very useful for a lot of these, a lot of these companies and, and research organizations uh, doing this work. We should also mention they also announced uh, something new, a DGX station with four of the V100 Tesla GPUs in it, so basically half the performance of the full DGX1, but that's something you can sort of sit by your, by your desktop uh, for your personal use. Um, and it's it's just like it says it's a workstation for individual use, and again, uh, basically half a almost half a petaflop of this uh, of this deep learning performance in there. So another uh, something I think they're going to probably end up selling quite a few of. Yeah, that one was it's only fifteen hundred watts, and it's water cooled in order to make it quieter. They gave a price on that one as well. It's half the performance of the of the DGX one, and the DGX station is half the price. It's sixty nine k, and again, they're taking orders for it now. But then that those weren't the only two platforms. They also had something they called an HGX one, and this was their GPU cloud computing platform, which was configurable in different G, GPU CPU balances. Uh, again with an NVLink hybrid cube and they're targeting this to these hyperscale environments. Jason Zander of Microsoft Azure joined Jensen Wong on the on the stage during the keynote to talk about building these into the Microsoft Azure cloud. Right, that was basically their their GPU expansion box if I understand that correctly for these different uh for for infrastructure where you have sort of CPU servers existing, but you want to sort of mix and match the number, the sort of the ratios of the GPUs to the CPUs. Other other vendors have sort of done this on their own, but this is sort of the first official uh, or the first NVIDIA design box that that does this. And yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna get some uh, some business certainly from those hyperscale companies like Microsoft. Now, they had a few other hardware announcements that were impressive, but they're kind of beyond the scope of our HPC podcast here. They had a Jetson uh, product that was for taking these AI out to the, the edge of the sensor product. They have a very interesting project called Xavier, which is uh, for the, uh, it's, a, it's an onboard chip for automotive for doing AI on the car, which 
which is definitely cool and worth looking up, but we're not going to cover it on this podcast right now. But the the other announcement, I think, actually didn't get as much attention as it deserved on this topic of AI in the cloud. Uh, the big gap out there right now is going to be around skill sets. I mean, you're talking about doing these these AI environments or machine learning, deep learning environments for uh, for data scientists that even data science and big data is a relatively new field. And there's going to be a big skills gap here in terms of how to do this. There's a brace of announcements here around, first of all, a, a containerized GPU cloud solution in NV Docker. So you have a container that you can start doing your, your AI in-house and then have a container environment that you move to the cloud. I think that does for this AI space the same thing they did with CUDA 10 years ago to, to make it easier to start trying to develop this. And then they also have a, a deep learning institute they've had before, but they're expanding it. They're aiming to train 100,000 people this year through the through this DLI. Yeah, they, they think they're going to do that in a year, which would be a tremendous accomplishment if they could get 100,000 uh, uh, developers. I mean, that would that would multiply the number of developers in the space by by uh, 10x or something or some multiple. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this NVIDIA GPU cloud initiative is is uh, or product is is going to be uh, really enabling for a lot of people. Uh, it, it's a different market than traditional HPC in that a lot of these a lot of these customers that are want to use this don't really have in-house infrastructure in the same manner that an HPC shop would. So it, to me, it looks like the cloud-based machine learning is going to become a lot more popular relative to in-house machine learning. Also because of the history of this, where a lot of the infrastructure around this is already in the cloud and it's already in cloud providers. So it's sort of a natural thing for the, the Googles and the Amazons and the Microsofts of the world to offer this. Um, so when you have something like this NVIDIA GPU cloud that basically puts a, a software layer on top of this and makes it easy for uh, people in, in businesses and other smaller enterprises to sort of jump on to the cloud in, in a, a simple way just with, uh, you know, you sort of specify your own software stack, you specify your own uh, your own data set, and then you can choose what uh, what cloud you want. I mean, the demo they had at the keynote was, uh, I think they showed Azure was one of the underlying infrastructures as well as uh, Amazon, and I'm guessing they'll add more on as they go. Uh, so this, I think, is going to is gonna be very useful for a lot of different uh, companies out there. Right. One thing that Jensen said during his keynote, I, I thought was maybe his most important quote, not everyone knows how to program, but everyone has data. And that's what they're keeping in mind in helping people move this to cloud with a containerized solution and leverage a lot of the expertise that's already out there. Now, you know, one thing we did notice is that this conference almost felt like all AI all the time to where the traditional HPC messages were, were getting a little bit lost. Now, on the earnings call, they didn't lose it. And they reported $409 million in 
data center uh, revenue in, in that group, which is a 38% rise from Q4, strong gains in high-performance computing. And, and they've referenced that the, the HPC business has is, is doubled for them. So you know they know that HPC is there as a strong driver, but all of this emphasis here has been on uh, AI as their, their major growth initiative looking forward. And, and I think it's worthwhile to look at where is their overlap and where is their distinction here and and really when that question when when I put it to Jensen what he said was that they're both important but they're even starting to see how these can merge together over time where you know HPC is about solving a scientific problem for first principles what's the right answer but that AI gets a little more predictive when when we've seen it work this uh, start this way before it generally finishes this way uh, and you could start thinking about how that might get applied to protein folding or a hurricane simulation, where if it starts out like this, the model says it generally proceeds this way. You can use that to start refining your HPC models. Right. I think a lot of uh, end users, even some of the vendors, are starting to talk about machine learning in this manner, where you can put it into the HPC, the traditional HPC workflow, to sort of narrow the the number of simulations you do, uh, which which saves obviously saves a lot of time, you can narrow it quite effectively. So you don't have to run a simulation, you know, a thousand times with all the different parameters you're you're guessing. You can narrow it down maybe to ten or five and save a tremendous amount of time on that resource just using the the AI to do that. Like you said, the predictive. Uh, parameterization so but we also i mean you mentioned that there wasn't a lot of visibility for hpc at the uh, at the conference you know one thing that that i noticed that was missing when when jensen during his keynote talked about volt and all this thing he he didn't mention that those gpus were going into the upcoming summit and sierra supercomputers which will start to be uh, installed towards the towards the end of this year or maybe in the third quarter um and it was sort of missing in a lot of the the messaging here about traditional supercomputing. I mean, there was some certainly, but you can see from just sort of the, the conversations going on from NVIDIA, plus even the even the Volta GPU architecture itself, how much emphasis they put on uh, machine learning with these tensor cores, that the HPC is, is taking a backseat to AI in NVIDIA now, and that's gonna, I think that's going to be the case going forward. Yeah, it's an interesting question to to ask whether or not they're making some kind of trade-off. Now, it, on the one hand, it's uh, it could be viewed as a strength that in the V100, they've got one chip that addresses this range of applications in HPC and AI. You can run it in double precision and single precision. You run these tensor uh, applications and, and do it all in that one package. But you wonder on this huge chip, to what extent there's a trade-off. Could they have made a better double precision floating point chip if they were letting that tensor stuff go or go the other way? If they were just making a TPU only for tensor performance and let go the double precision, could they have made it better that way? So the long-term risk is that it opens the door to get beat on either side if someone made a better uh, chip that was dedicated to one or the other. But I, I think that's only a long-term risk because in the short term, their software ecosystem is is ahead of the competitions right now. And I don't know where you'd go to find a, a better chip that also has a software ecosystem around it. 
Yeah, and and software ecosystem for both spaces as far as acceleration goes. So yeah, they they've managed to sort of navigate this sweet spot through their through their software stack and through the the devotion they've put into this. So, but yeah, I mean there there is a long term risk, and I'm sure they're aware of that too. And they're sort of skating in the middle here. But certainly, like you said, they could have built a more performant um, deep learning only chip or a more performant, uh, you know, HPC double precision chip as well. But uh, the idea is they're going to build something sort of that can do both of those in a way that can serve a lot of people, especially because, like we just talked about, some of the HPC people are going to use these, these same deep learning algorithms as increasingly as part of their workflow so it's uh it's not a straight um it's not a straight decision on one or the other anymore it, it's going to be more and more uh a, a lot of software is going to be using these, these deep learning codes uh, that are going to be integrated into their main line yep and to me it comes down to that software and if the deep learning institute and the containerized solutions for deep learning that helps people get programming on this the same way cuda started taking off at the grassroots level 10 years ago that ultimately that's going to be the the biggest source of strength for nvidia's strategy uh you know the individual chips are are always exciting but Getting people to program on the solution is is where it's at right now because it's an early market and and you need to build an ecosystem. Yeah, and, and Vidya's been been great at doing that certainly. All right, Michael. Well, that's a lot of news to catch up on, but it was a fascinating <laughs> conference. I appreciated Nvidia for hosting us and uh, and all of our yes. other HPC contacts we got to see there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.